The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss the practice and value of building a community as a marketing channel. Joining us is Jacob Peters, who is the co-founder of Comsor. Comsor is a community control center that places powerful analytics, automations, and engagement tools for world-class communities focusing on B2B SaaS brands. And today, Jacob and I are going to discuss the value of owning a community. Okay. Here's my conversation with Jacob Peters, co-founder of Comsor. Jacob, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Ben, very excited to be here and jam about community with you. Super happy to have you on the show. I know that we've talked offline because building a community is one of the things that we are thinking about and actively pursuing here at the MarTech Podcast, which begs the question, why community? Why is a community an important tool for a marketer? Let's just start off from the top. How do you think about defining what a community is from a marketing perspective? That's a great question. It's a very existential one. And it's one that I think there's a lot of confusion and uncertainty around, admittedly, because it's kind of an ambiguous and vague term. Like every company looks at community a little bit differently. They have a different definition. Community can come in various shapes and sizes and platforms. So defining it and ring fencing what exactly it is, is an important, I think, first start to this conversation. So I think it's important to get a little bit of historical context around the way that we define community. So the old world of community was the world of social media, where it was more audience-based. It was these kind of like one-to-many networks. We have platforms like Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where a brand might create a Facebook page or a Twitter account and then get a bunch of followers to interact with them in kind of an audience-like manner. Companies also used to spin up customer support forums, which landed on their websites, but they would be very much just in siloed corners of their sites. And what we're seeing now is essentially a shift to new many-to-many ways in which companies can create communities and interactions among customers, prospective customers, and things like that. One thing that sticks out that you said, many-to-many, right? It used to be the community was your Twitter handle, a one-to-many interaction where people can write a brand and a brand is responding back to one person, but it's publicly visible. There's also the idea of forums, your customer service, and maybe you're getting some SEO value out of this. And it seems like there's a couple of different mechanisms, one-to-one, one-to-many, and now you're saying many-to-many. Walk me through what that means. 
the simplest example is if you're a company and you have 500 Twitter followers or 500 likes on a Facebook page, that is 500 unique connections. But as soon as you put 500 members in something like a meetup chapter or a Slack or a WhatsApp community, all of a sudden, those 500 members can then interact with each other in a seemingly infinite number of combinations. So if you have a 500 member group, that's actually like 62,000 different ways in which members can interact uniquely. Like that is what's known as a network effect and kind of exponentially greater than what you might have with an audience-based follower. So let's go through those three different types of community and talk about the value of creating one. You know, and I think of one to many is basically what we're doing with a podcast. I sit here in front of a mic or the two of us sit here in front of microphones and we yap back and forth and it gets shot out to many people, hopefully, that are listening to the podcast, right? It's a single directional conversation. And maybe our audience is not necessarily a community because there's no back and forth. But the social media followings, that's really a one-to-many type chat. What is the value and the purpose and the reason why brands are focused on that type of interaction? I think the reason for that is because it's very easy and low friction to amass a large number of followers or audience members. Whereas when it comes to creating a many-to-many experience in a community, it's a little bit more high friction. You're asking just slightly more from your potential community members or customers or prospective customers. So I think the ease of adoption, the ease of amassing a large audience is why previously that's been very attractive to brands and why many brands and organizations or podcasts still do it. I guess the question is really, what's the purpose? You know, I think of a brand being on Twitter, Facebook, Quora, right? They're publishing marketing content and at times they're fielding inbound requests. I know people do customer service through Twitter, but they're kind of like a shit catcher, right? When somebody's upset, they can address it publicly and seem like they are or actually be engaged with customer service. Are there other ways and reasons why brands are creating the one-to-many relationships? I think one of the big ones is just presence. A core thing when it comes to community building or audience building is going to where your members are. It's finding where they spend time and meeting them there, right? You don't want them to download another app. If they're already checking Twitter every day for pleasure, or they already have podcasting built into their weekly routine when they're cooking or working out or commuting, it makes a lot of sense to go to the mediums in which they're already engaging with. Okay, so let's talk about the difference between having a one-to-many community relationship where you're essentially broadcasting out to a large audience to a many-to-many relationship. It seems like this is one of the ways where you're obviously cultivating relationships and what I would consider to be an actual community, not a following or an audience, and that has some risk to it as well. Talk to me about why brands are focusing on creating a many-to-many relationship. Yeah, one of the big benefits of a many-to-many relationship is that as you add additional members, there's incremental benefit as each additional person joins. So if you have a thousand podcast listeners and then the thousand one person subscribes to the podcast and starts listening to it, there's no other incremental benefit to the other thousand. But if you have a thousand people in a community and another person joins, all of a sudden that person can then interact with everybody else. So there's just exponentially more ways in which people can start creating value for other members or consuming value that's already been created. So when I think of the many-to-many relationships, I think about my time at eBay where managing the community was an important part of the business. Now, a lot of this has to do with the seller community getting together and being pissed off about every time there was a pricing change. Community has some risk there. Talk to me about the risk and the rewards of many-to-many relationships. So anytime you have a many-to-many relationship, it opens up a lot of doors for you, but it also creates potentially a lot of risks. And in the sense, when it comes to opening a lot of doors, one of the core things that a community can provide is the ability for members to create content as individuals and then have other people interact with that content within a many-to-many setting. 
Yeah, I think that that's for better or for worse, you can start to build momentum in the many to many reaction where the brand doesn't necessarily have to be the content creator. If I think of building a community on Twitter, the MarTech podcast is a Twitter handle. Nobody follows it. Everybody should. When we post a tweet, it, you know, it goes out into the ether and hopefully people see it, but they don't necessarily react to it because it's just us constantly broadcasting our content. Yes, we should be more active on Twitter and be more engaging. We should also have more resources to manage it. When you're in a many-to-many situation, somebody else that's on Twitter, essentially you turn into the platform, right? The people that are in the community are your content creators, and then everyone else can react to it. And you don't have to manage and monitor those relationships as much, or at least you don't have to start the fire per se. That's exactly right. Community members, basically, as soon as you as a community manager start the spark, they have the ability to keep fanning the flame and make it exponentially larger and kind of take any sort of seed or conversation starter that you put and roll with it from there. But a risk to note when it comes to facilitating these many-to-many relationships is that if you don't do a good job of stoking the initial fire, then engagement has a risk of plummeting or members not actually engaging to the levels that you want. All right. So let's talk a little bit about why, from a business perspective, let's break this up into two components. Content producers like the MarTech podcast, why does it make sense for brands like ours to create a community? And then also, why are the enterprise, the B2B, the e-commerce brands building community? Let's start off with the important business model. Let's start off with the content creators like the MarTech podcast, because I know that's what everybody else is worried about. Before we dive into that, I think it's important to understand the macro backdrop that's happening within the world right now that's leading to a rise and a need for communities. And organizations like podcasts such as MarTech or companies are in kind of a perfect position to help facilitate communities and offer like a third space for people. So one of the big shifts that we're seeing in the world right now is the rise in loneliness. Some people call it the loneliness epidemic. I think there's some statistics out there that say that, you know, a third of millennials or like 29% of them don't have anybody that they can call their best friend. That's so sad. It's very sad. But there's a big need out there to come together. And a big reason for that is because people have lost a lot of the communities that used to be a big part of their lives, namely religion, organized groups, things like the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts of America. You know, organizations like that are seeing just record low levels of enrollment. People are spending a lot of time in their homes, on their computers, you know, on their smartphones. They're not engaging with their neighborhood communities. Country clubs also seeing record low enrollments. So there's just a big need right now for people to kind of fill that void with a digital space or a community. And brands and podcasts like MarTech are just in a perfect position to help facilitate those types of things and give people what they're missing. The amount of friction has been reduced to interact with people, right? You can go online, Twitter, people you don't know you can interact with, Facebook, everybody that you ever met all the way back through high school. All of a sudden you have a million friends, but there's no human interaction that's sitting in front of you, which creates more of a need for real interaction, hence the need for community. So is that being the macro backdrop, people are looking for connections and to feel like part of a group. I'm assuming that means that there's an opportunity for content creators and for businesses to step in here. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, 
Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. Talk to me about the value that content creation brands are getting from creating communities. I think the biggest one is just a stronger bond and affinity for the content creator, the producer itself. I'm sure that you have a lot of great listeners. You know, I'm a big fan and big listener of the podcast myself. Thank you. But you know, imagine if you were able to put your biggest fans and your biggest advocates and people that just eat, sleep, and breathe MarTech all in one place. Now they have the chance to not only listen to you and your broadcast, but also get the chance to talk about that among other members or jam about the MarTech industry, you know, share knowledge and tips and tricks, best practices, help each other find jobs. I mean, there's just so much more that they can do around this shared affiliation than they could if they were just a casual listener. Yeah, I think the term du jour is like-minded people, which I'm not a huge fan of because it makes it seem like we're segregating or something like, I only want to be around people that are like me. I, I don't like the term, but I think that that's how most people are referring to get together in a collection of people that think and act and are interested in the things that you are. And it allows to not only build an affinity with the content producer, but then all of the other people that are fans. It's the same reason why we go to concerts. Hey, I love the music, but I feel like I want to be around other people that like the music. It enhances my experience. How is that different for brands? How is that different for, you know, B2B SaaS companies are creating communities, e-commerce companies are creating communities. I understand, you know, a brand like mine where it's like, hey, people want to be interested in MarTech and want a deeper engagement with everybody in their industry. But if I'm a clothing brand or if I'm selling a SaaS product, why should people be interested in my community? So there's a few different types of communities that brands and companies are creating, one of which is community as an acquisition channel or a marketing effort. And what it allows you to do in that aspect is to actually create a trusted relationship with a prospective customer first and deliver them free value before there's any sort of sales pitch involved. So it's a completely different playbook than the traditional marketing funnel, right? Because in the traditional marketing funnel, you have just a series of one-off touch points with prospective customers or people that you're trying to sell to. And they're all just point-in-time relationships. But when you have a, a community and you're able to get a bunch of members in something like a Slack community or inviting them to virtual meetups or pre-corona, obviously, in-person events, you're able to facilitate these many-to-many connections and actually allow them to connect with one another, share resources, tips, tricks, advice, find jobs. I mean, it's just pretty incredible the things that you're able to provide to community members before there's any sort of sales conversation or mention of your product involved. The thing that sticks out to me about what you're saying is that 
for lots of brands, mostly the B2B SaaS brands, bigger ticket items. The question is not necessarily a desire to be a customer. It is very much related. It's very much influenced by the timing. You're only in market once every three to five years for a high ticket B2B SaaS product. You can build a relationship in a community and keep somebody around and keep them warm for a long time. And so when they are ready in market, when they raise their hand, you already have access to them and a relationship. It's really expensive to market to somebody for three to five years. For e-commerce brands, talk to me about the value of the affinity that you're building on the commerce side. There's basically two different ways in which B2C or D2C companies or e-commerce brands are helping create community. And one of which is where they're able to take their largest fans and put them in one place where they can essentially become ambassadors for the product. Influencers. Yeah, influencers, right? And Glossier is a great example of this. They're one of the largest makeup and female product producers in the world. And they basically have a bunch of WhatsApp and Slack communities for like kind of their biggest fans and biggest advocates. They put them together. It's a place to basically have a super close pulse to what's new and topical for these people that are the biggest fans of their brand. And then ultimately, they have such a close relationship because they're in these communities that they're able to find the best ways to leverage them. So they can tell them, hey, go out and everyone spread the word about this new product launch. Or hey, here's a secret affiliate code that none of our other standard affiliate partners or any other common customers have the ability to get access to. So there's a business relationship there with in a community that you're not only collecting, and I'm using air quotes that people can't see, like-minded people, people that are enthusiasts about, you know, a specific type of makeup or what have you. But it's also, you know, we are recognizing that you have influence and we want to give you the tools to wield that influence to help our brand and also provide you some value. It is essentially an influencer community, not just an enthusiast community. Exactly. And in the past, brands' relationships with influencers were oftentimes one-to-one. And that made it terribly challenging to coordinate and logistically figure out influencer marketing campaigns. But as soon as you can stick a bunch of influencers or passionate people that are people that are passionate about your product, your service in one place, it does two things for you. One, it scales that relationship. So now it's you having basically this many-to-many experience with your members where not only do you have to be the point of communication with them, but they can be the point of communication with each other. And you just have to you know, disseminate one message and all of a sudden they can kind of be your army of salespeople or evangelists for you. And the second thing is that it actually strengthens the affinity in the relationship with your product of people that already love it in the first place, even more so, because all they get to do is talk about it and chat about it every single day. So talk to me about the way that people outside of, you mentioned affiliates, what are some of the ways that people are finding business value out of community? It's not just getting like-minded people together. That's great. You have reach, you can display your marketing message. What are the other ways people are getting value and monetizing communities? Yeah. So before I go into that, I actually want to give an example back to your previous question. So there are also some companies like Shine, for example, it's a meditation app or Headspace that not only are offering a product experience where, you know, it's a software product that helps you to more easily meditate and get in touch with yourself, but also a network of other users that are using the product where you can share, you know, status updates with one another and basically have access to other like-minded people who are big fans of the app. And it makes them realize that they're not alone. So they're actually able to invoke an emotional response from users and customers that goes beyond the product itself and the functionality. So I'm hearing that there's a couple different ways that e-commerce brands are using community, collecting their influencers together, turning them into affiliates, basically converting their customers into marketing channels, 
And then there's other commerce brands which are supplementing their product experience by showing that there are other people that are either dealing with the same problems or going through the same life circumstances that they are. When you think about from the business perspective, how brands are generating value out of community, affiliates and influencers. I think that it's probably a customer retention strategy, sort of putting people with common problems together to let them know that they're not alone. What are some of the other ways that brands are deriving value out of community or in some cases monetizing their community? So one of the most obvious ways is, and this is actually kind of a new paradigm in the world of community building, and that's community as acquisition. This is like the example I mentioned earlier, where companies are basically finding creative ways to offer value and create a trusted relationship with potential customers first, so that they eventually find their way into their sales channel. And this is actually kind of a hypothesis that our company takes to heart. So we're building community management tools and community management software, but on the side, we decided to start a community, which was completely separate from our brand. It's called Community Chat. And the premise of it is that it's a safe space for community builders or marketers that are interested in learning more about community building to chat and connect with one another. It takes place on Slack. We also have a newsletter. We host events every few weeks. We just had a big virtual summit and all these different channels coalesce into what we're considering to be our community. Now, as a result of this, we're essentially creating the ultimate (laughs) acquisition engine because we don't do any overt mentions of our company within this community. And what we've been able to do is essentially create just a constant stream of inbound requests to learn more about our product and what we're building. And this is very much community as acquisition. It's funny how when you don't sell to people, they want to buy from you more. It's one of the things that's been an interesting experience about creating content for the MarTech podcast is that we've had some inbound requests and and I'm honestly not doing much consulting anymore, but people are like, hey, I've heard you on the MarTech podcast. I want your opinion on a marketing challenge. And it's like, well, that's not really what we do anymore, but it's flattering. Thank you. I'm doing a little consulting and some advising as well, but you know, when you're not selling and you just position yourself to be an expert and have some authority, business just finds its way to your direction. Okay, Jason, we've covered a lot of ground about the reasons for community. We're going to bring you back again tomorrow, and we're going to talk about launching a community. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Jacob Peters, co-founder of Comsor, for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Jacob and I are going to talk about setting up a community for long-term success. And if you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Jacob, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is J underscore underscore C-U-B. That's Jacob. Or you could visit his company's website, which is comsor.com, C-O-M-M-S-O-R.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes, contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our once a week newsletter. You can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.